engineers Simon Hawkes and Anthony Demanti, or Hawkes and AD to their mates, are on a journey down the river of water engineering. In this podcast series, Hawkes and AD share their inspiring conversations with a cross-section of people from the water industry and beyond. The conversations aim to motivate students and professionals alike to contribute to the growth of the engineering profession. So, without further ado, it's over to you, lads. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us again for another episode of The Good Drop with Hawks and AD, a water industry-flavoured podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Demanti, and once again, I'm joined here in The Good Drop studio with my fellow co-host and friend for life, Mr. Simon Hawks. Simon, how are you feeling today, old chap, and have you been keeping out of harm's way? Always trying, AD. Yes, very much looking forward to today's episode. I, I really think just the timing between episodes that we have just is just right to to make me get on my game and, and be ready and prepared for our conversation. I, I'm always looking forward to it. Excellent. So, Simon, our guest today is joining us from beautiful Adelaide. And like you, I'm really excited to be speaking with her and to learn more about her story and her career. And I have to say, I should mention our guest is another person who I first met whilst attending the Australian Water Association's National Oswater Conference. Now, when preparing for this person's introduction, the key word that resonated with me was feedback. Now, who doesn't like feedback, especially positive or appreciative feedback? Appreciative feedback builds your sense of being valued. It helps to reinforce positive habits. And importantly, it helps build self-awareness, which then helps us become more mindful of the impact that our actions have. So why have I linked feedback with our guest? As I mentioned earlier, I met our guest at the Oswater Conference in Adelaide in 2021. Our guest was on the Young Water Professionals Committee and was involved in chairing the session I was presenting at. For my presentation, I wanted to make a real impact to our attend to the attendees, so I thought I would tie in my virtual reality paper topic and reference the Matrix movie theme by starting my talk by reenacting the red blue pill scene using jelly beans, of course. After the presentation, our guest came up to me and gave me some really great feedback, saying how much she enjoyed the presentation, and I haven't forgotten that feedback. And ever since, I like to present with even more passion and, and enthusiasm, and with using props more and more where possible, knowing that it is appreciated and valued. So, Simon, any comments on feedback before we formally introduce our guest? Oh, nothing nothing too deep and meaningful other than, other than to say I completely agree agree who who doesn't like to receive good feedback and probably on on the uh, opposite side of that I'm always a believer of even getting bad feedback because it can only help you grow so yeah nothing nothing more than those few little points yeah no problem thanks Simon today we will be speaking to Loreline Curladu who is a principal consultant at Ricardo Loreline has worked in research operations and engineering roles in France and across Australia Loreline is passionate about giving back to the water industry. She's been involved in the AWA South Australia Young Water Professional Committee over the last seven years and was the chair of the committee for two years. She is also a dedicated member and former vice chair of the Water Aid South Australian Committee, who has been involved and committed to raising awareness to enable the world's poorest people to gain access to clean water, decent toilets, and good hygiene, allowing them to unlock their potential through fundraising events. And as a result of all this great involvement, 
Laureline was awarded the 2022 South Australian Young Professional of the Year, a tremendous achievement. So with that, Laureline, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join us on the Good Drop podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Simon. Thank you very much for the introduction, and yeah, very excited to be here. Happy to have you. So let's get started. Can you tell us where you grew up and um, about your early years and and whether you knew you were always destined to be an engineer? Yes, so I I don't know if you can hear it, but I am uh, originally from France, so I grew up uh, next to Paris. Not in Paris, that's an important uh, distinction, but I grew up next to Paris and early years, always enjoyed school and had a lot of good good grades. Um, But it wasn't until probably until I was 11 years old that I really started to understand how I can apply what what you're learning in like math and physics to try and solve some of the problems so before was a lot of learning and retaining without fully really understanding until I had an amazing teacher that's really unlocked a lot of things um, for me Um, and I guess that kind of started my journey towards engineering it took a few years obviously to get where I am now but that was probably the start what was the moment with the teacher uh he had a way to bring all of the student with him and just making sure that everyone would understand. So he would have a lot of different tools and ways to in his pocket. So that would suit to the many, you know, different needs or how people understand things and just not leaving people behind. Um, and always be like, okay, this is not working. I need to try and think about a different way go back and think about it and next day it's got a different way. I don't know how many different ways really you can try and explain things that are mathematical, but he had so many, so yeah. Yeah, those teachers that can do that are, are really a treasure. So how about the direction toward engineering? Was there any moment that really sparked something in terms of that idea? That was probably, I knew I was going to go towards like a, a science engineering degree when I was probably 15, I did like biology class, just talking about the immune system, um, a lot of the cells within the body. And yeah, I just find, like did find that amazing. Um, so that's where I knew I would do something scientific. And then in like high school, which would be like the equivalent to year 11 to 12 in Australia. I choose like a dedicated scientific path. And that's what led me to engineering after the year 12 exam. Okay. All right. So you've mentioned you're of French heritage. So curious to know, was there any family pressure or did you pursue this path of, of your own intent or were there perhaps any other outside career interests? There was definitely no pressure from from my family. Um, I have a sister who took a very different path to me. She did a business school with a focus on big corporation strategy and marketing, which is at the opposite end of what I am doing. Um, <laughs> so there was very supportive. My parents work in, in very different industry, both of them, but I think there was some expectation for me and my sister to be good at languages, um, like foreign languages. 
which is my mum is a like a trilingual commercial assistant and really had that connection with people. Um, so she was really eager to transmit that to us. And I'm so glad because I'm here and I live in Australia and work in a completely different language every day. And my dad is someone who used to work in like a oil and gas industry and very analytic and logical, always like solution focused and a very like a self self-taught person that would just try out anything and be really good at it. You know, those very annoying people <laughs> are just yes. really good at doing anything. So <laughs> I think that really shaped where I am now of like doing engineering um, while connecting with a lot of people and, and speaking a different language. Excellent. All right. So you chose engineering, you went to uni. Can you talk to us about some of your university experience and in Australia, the female to male ratio of doing engineering is, I don't know, I think it's one in six there or thereabouts. Okay. What's it like in France? Was it similar? Or is, could you talk about that part of your life? Yeah, definitely. So the, the, the scholar system uh, in France is a little bit different, a bit set up different than Australia. So in France, I did a, an engineering school, which is a dedicated engineering school for five oh, years. Yep. It was great. I had a blast. Um, it was, yeah, it was very intense, a lot of innovation and entrepreneurship, very polyvalent. Um, I did an engineering school where you can work across many functions. So like in process and production, like research and development, marketing and like quality control and across um, several industries. So environment, which is where I'm working now, but also like pharmaceutical, cosmetic and food and beverage industry. Um, so it's quite a unique skill set engineering that is quite adaptable and also focus on a lot of, of the, the, what I call like the people skill. My school is quite unique and not representative of engineering school in France because the ratio would be 80% female and 20% wow. male. Wow, that's a nice that, change. That is not the norm at all. Uh, I think it would be quite similar to what it is in Australia, but my school is was very um, like female-dominated, I would say. Mm. So for me, I would say that was a bit of an adjustment because I, I mostly hang out with a lot of guys, but very quickly find a very good tribe of people. And yeah, when you're surrounded by really, you know, competent and intelligent and powerful women for five years, that really changes your perspective in work. And you just, for me, it's not even a question like, do I belong in engineering or not? Because I'm just surrounded by women. Um, so yeah, that, that was really good. So, Loreline, that engineering school or college or university, what discipline did you graduate with? Yeah, I graduated with a process engineering degree um, and then focused in the water industry. It's a school, like a industrial biology school, so it's like relying on biology to do engineering. So would it be water treatment or like microbiology or um, yep. like fluids. So we touched on a lot of different topics, which has been very good. It's just very varied and can touch on a lot of things, which is something that I continue doing uh, in my day to day. 
sounds like an amazing place. I'm still astonished by the 80%, 20%. That's just, just something I didn't think would ever be possible for an yeah. engineering class. All right, so you graduated. Can I ask, how did you end up in Australia? Yes. My first experience, I worked for a large group at Suez, so at the International Research Centre on Water and Environment. And after about a year, I got offered an opportunity to go to Australia for six months, to Adelaide in particular. That was definitely not my plan. I had to Google where Adelaide was on the map. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So agreed and, and, and took up that offer to come for six months. And the plan was for me to, to then come back and get like a permanent full-time job at that company. And that was 10 years ago. Um, so it was a bit of changes. And so I did a year at the largest water treatment plant in South Australia, doing some process optimization, like a, a pilot plant scale and once my contract ended I thought to myself oh Australia has been pretty good I'm really enjoying my time here I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life in France I would like to stay you know for another two or three years before I go back so that's when I found that opportunity and started working at Inside Infrastructure which is now a Ricardo company and haven't left since. Very good. Can I just ask you, what were your initial thoughts when you arrived in Australia? Coming from Paris is a pretty, or outside of Paris, excuse me, is a pretty nice place. So going to Adelaide, which is also a nice place, what were your initial observations? So I moved at the end of May in Uh 2013. So it was the end of a real, very long winter in Europe. And it was the start of the winter (laughs) in Australia. (laughs) I had never been called my entire life. That called my entire life. The first thing that I bought were some fake Ugg boots and uh, some blankets. <laughs> and no one would believe me when I said it was cold because they just thought, like me, that it was just always warm and sunny, which was not true. And I thought everyone was a surfer. It was not true. <laughs> no one was a surfer. <laughs> I guess like the weather, the water temperature also uh, gets cooler as, as you tend south. And as well as the propensity for sharks down in Adelaide, they seem to have a, a bit of a um, reputation in the bite. Yeah, that, that was probably funny, funnily one of the questions I was going to ask as well. When did you arrive? Because it, cause it, it's very much a place of two extremes, you know, it's either boiling hot or freezing cold. Yeah, when I moved, I would definitely never do that again or do not advice to to do that do go from summer to summer because two winter in a row you you're not in a good spot um it was just very cool but also people are very different people are just a lot more laid back and and relaxed and I remember when I arrived I had just going to buy some lunch and like people calling me love and in my head I'm like what how are you calling me what are you doing you can't call me like that <laughs> but it's just some people do that and it's it's very different <laughs> sorry to to stay on the Adelaide thing just one more question about it does the water taste that bad to be honest I keep hearing about Adelaide water and how does it taste does it I never noticed it but does it taste a bit different uh I like it 
I'm trying to remember if I didn't like it when I arrived. I can't quite remember. Now I actually have the opposite. So when I go back to France, I just found that the tap water just tastes weird. So <laughs> Adelaide water is good. I noticed that too when you travel, how different water tastes and just, you know, how your palate is used to a particular taste of water. Whenever I go and say, for example, go and visit my parents or something, I notice that the water tastes different. Yeah, it's a funny thing. All right. So if you're happy to share, can you tell us about your experience as a female working in engineering in Australia? Yeah. So at my first company, I was, um, so I was on site at a water treatment plant, part of like a larger company, um, but on site, I was the only female engineer. There was, we had one person in in admin, but I was the, the only one, but I thought, I had a pretty good experience um, and then when I joined my current company, which was nine years ago, I was also the only young female engineer that was not from Australia. So it was a bit the diversity of the company, but yeah. it's, cha- it's changed a lot now, which is really good. I think, you know, I have a few instances where I had some encounters that I wish were different. I probably won't go into too much detail um but overall it's pretty good like I've and I think this is something that other women can echo sometimes you know people just making you feel uncomfortable people making some inappropriate comments even just little ones that can be very unprofessional and sometimes some some like disrespectful behavior because you're a woman but you know, I've been working in Australia for 10 years and that, you know, it, it, it's not something that happens every day, luckily. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a very, I found the water industry a very good industry, yes. um, very supportive and not like skewed interaction with women in engineering. I do think it's changing, at least my the impression. I mean, it's, it's probably not the best place to be coming from, obviously, but the impression anyway that I get from talking to females is that it has improved a lot and water I suppose separately to perhaps the wider engineering industry um, does have a good attitude towards women so Mm. hopefully that's positive. What advice can you give for males and how best to support and promote women in engineering? Yeah definitely. My first point which seems to me like common sense but you know just treat women like you would treat a man in a respectful manner and show support with just people at the end of the day so Mm. there shouldn't be any different way of you know interacting with women and maybe sometimes like men don't know what it can be like for a female and because it's just not happening to them so if they're Mm. not acute to it they might they might not know and that's okay but if you if you don't know and you don't think nothing is, you think that nothing is happening, it's happening probably in front of you and you're not realizing. So it's mm-hmm. about talking to a trustee, like someone within your network that you trust and you have a good relationship with. Sit down and be like, I'll be keen to have a chat about that. What are some of the things that you experience? And just really listen and, and take it in, just not have the attitude or I don't do that because it's not about you. It's about how can you be a better support for women and for the industry in general. And once you know, then just speak up. 
you know, when you see something, just say either to the person that it's happening to or to the person who is doing it. Because most of the time when people are being called out, then they don't know what to say. And it's not about shaming. And sometimes people say things and they don't realise there's a lot of bias in that society in both Mm -hmm. male and female. But it's just about speaking out. I found that with years going, I like I, I definitely speak up a lot more. Like in my earlier years, like I've had really tremendous support from my colleagues and my managers, um, really pushing and checking in with me to see if everything was fine. And because often you don't really want to say because it's nothing really bad happened, but you're just a little bit uncomfortable. But you have a good relationship, but. I, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable at work because of someone that just says something or is acting in a way and that needs to be addressed. And once it's addressed, you know, it doesn't have to change your relationship. But sometimes people are not aware. We just need to tell them and show support like that. The last point would be male who are in, like, leadership position. I think one thing, and, and that might, is happening to me, so I feel like that might be also happening to other people, but we tend to, you know, not seeing the skills that I've got right now and going for opportunities that I think I can do. So, like, as a leader, identifying some opportunities and really encouraging and supporting female in your team or in your company to go for opportunities, I think, would be very helpful. Mm. A lot of really good points there and probably some of the things that, I worry about personally in terms of, you know, I'd hate to think that my behaviour is something that I'm unaware of in terms of how I'm interacting with females in particular and, and, and in particular in the workplace. You know, you say basically some fairly straightforward advice, you know, but it's so funny how often people are, are purely unaware of, of their behaviour. And and like you say, it's not, not about shame. It, it's just mm. simply about almost education. It is really interesting how often it happens and you know I hope that it is slowly turning the ship and over over a course of time it's it's corrected on a much better course. Just to tack on to Simon look thanks Caroline look just having respectful communication and calling out crude remarks is, is just a common sense thing but also that dealing with unconscious bias is also another important thing that you know we all need to be aware of as males We had a guest on a couple of episodes ago. One of the key takeaways was from Louise Dudley, the former CEO of Urban Utilities, which is Brisbane's water provider. And she said, Loreline, when you go to an event and you see women at the event, just go up and talk to them. Make them feel welcome. How simple is that? So your advice is also very simple, very common sense. And thank you for sharing all that. I'm going to give you a tricky question now. And it's about the issue over diversity and inclusion. You know, having a diverse and inclusive workplace, look, is a major focus for firms. They want to improve their balance and have their teams having a diverse way of thinking. My question to you is, how do you feel about businesses adopting KPIs associated with gender equality? Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting one. There's probably two sides to it, right? So on one side, I think, KPR can be a very good thing. It gives you accountability to initiatives that you're trying to set up and really achieve like a a meaningful change. You've talked about a diverse workforce that really, you know, lead to 
to better organization and that also is a way to, to measure progress like it, i think in our societies and how we work now like this kpi is on everything so like it's a way to be able to measure your progress and also help the business to assess like the effort that they're putting in and and use like data to drive some of the decisions and i think it's also providing some like real opportunities that wouldn't happen otherwise but at the same time you know if the company is only using it only up to meet a target and just tick a box instead of creative mm. and inclusive work environment that can be a problem and also like a kpi on like a gender ratio for example is only one small side of like a complex challenge that is gender equality and that can really neglect all of the other aspects that should be brought in and if it's only driven by KPIs people within the organization might not want that um and not embrace that change just because it's something that they have to do and they don't understand why yeah for me like you know I would hate to be told oh you're just in this job because you mm. fit in the box and and people think that I don't have the right qualification I'm just there because I am a woman but there needs to be a balance like I, unfortunately I think if there was no KPI there would be a lot of organization and a lot of industries that would not open doors like they have now to women in engineering for example because if we just leave it then you're just going to continue the same and nothing nothing is going to change and we've tried that and it's not working so we need some of that but i think that really needs to be coupled by like meaningful change and like a, a cultural change and bring everyone from the organization on the journey because otherwise it just won't work it's a very complex issue and you need to look at a kpi with like a whole strategy around it and it's really changing industries and businesses. Laureline, do you have any ideas about how you can measure success or when you've achieved a diverse and inclusive workplace rather than just a gender equality ratio? I feel like once you reach it, we won't be talking about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, got it. Mm. I love it. It really is about a culture, isn't it? And I think you are, you're, you're right. It's probably going to be a point where there's a natural balance. Hopefully we get to that point and we don't really even think about it and, and it's the new normal. Yeah. Mm, I like it. Okay, thanks for um, opening up about that. I know it was a tricky question. So let's talk about last year. Uh, in 2022, you were awarded the Young AWA Professional of South Australia. Fantastic achievement. Can you tell us, firstly, how you felt when your name got read out? And can you tell us about what it's meant to you since having this title? Yeah, I was quite nervous in the lead up to it. I was pretending that I wasn't, but I definitely was. And it's pretty exciting, pretty humbling moment, but also very exciting to be, you know, sharing that with a lot of people that I've been working with in South Australia, being there and echoing to a lot of people that have made this journey to where I am today. The award, yeah, recognise like professional and, and personal contribution to the water industry. And, and maybe what I'll, I'll focus on is my personal contribution. So 
I've been involved in the Australian Water Session, like the Young Water Professional Committee, for over seven years now. I've been a member of the committee and I was like the chair of the committee for the last couple of years. I've just handed that over to a great chair and vice chair. But really, what why it's important to me to be part of this committee is like providing opportunities to emerging leaders in the in the industry. It's about developing network and 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 making that network in South Australia because it's, you know, you will end up working together. So when you have this relationship built up from the start and you're working with people or for people that you know, that you like, that you're on the same page with, like everything just takes a different dimension. And I think that's what I'm trying to foster. And also because it can be quite daunting, you know, joining the industry, you don't know many people, you don't know much, you're just starting. Having this community behind you is something very powerful. So, yeah, organising a lot of events, seeing the events being very successful and having a lot like more and more people attending, convincing the WA to put on some events that have been put up in the past that have been widely successful in SA has been amazing. The group that I was leading and, and still part of is really incredible people, like a lot of passion and determination, wanting to give back to the community and, yeah, provide, you know, platform for, for younger people to be there because in the end we'll end, up, we'll end up working together and I think that's what will make the difference as well. Yeah, it's a very small industry in some regard. Yeah. Again, congratulations on your award and... We touched on at the start of the introduction the importance of feedback and receiving an award like that must be just tremendous feedback and you must feel so valued. Good on you. I was so yeah, happy to see that on LinkedIn when you were holding the trophy and Thanks. had a big smile on your face. So good on you for that. All right, let's change tack and um, talk about what you do as, as an engineer. So um, can you tell us what your typical day looks like and also how you achieve a good work-life balance? Mm. I think for me, achieving a good work-life balance, just start before I get to work where I want to be able to do something for me that, and I'm not just waking up to go to work. I love work, but I also love my life. So it's important to take the time to do that. So I will try and do a workout and some meditation, just catch up a bit on what's happened in the world uh, reading some news and then I cycle to work. I've got the chance to be able to cycle cycling to work, which which is so great. And then I guess my day usually look the same depending on which project and client I'm working for, but it would be like a lot of us, you know, most of my day is really in front of a computer. It's just no way of escaping that, that much unless you're really in full-on operation meetings trying to reduce the number of meetings to what is important uh, and making some decisions um, but it's also like a way to connect with people which is how you you progress work and projects if i'm lucky i'll do a bit of excel work i'm just i don't know why i just love excel um it's just such an amazing tool <laughs> laura line are you a are you a technical person or a project manager type person? How what what sort of category would we fit you in? Uh, I'd probably be more a technical person. 
I do a bit of project management, but mostly around yeah communication with stakeholder stakeholder engagement and communication. I will definitely throw in a bit of French swearing during my day, and hopefully there's no other French around so they don't understand it. Everyone thinks that I'm saying very nice things in French, um, <laughs> but that helps people on some teams a little bit. And yeah, cycle back home or stay in town. I'll I'll try and talk to my family or my friends back in in France, catch up with some friends, and get a good night of sleep. I know it's not everyone can do that, but I can and I do it. Definitely prioritize my sleep. So I, in France, we said like sleeping early like a chicken. So this is definitely what I do on my weekdays. <laughs> sleeping early so, like a chicken. I haven't yeah. heard of that one before. Yeah. Sleep at sunset. <laughs> oh, like the early bird. The early bird. That's it. Okay, I got it. Um, what do you miss most about France? Mm. Apart from the food. Yeah. Apart from the food, no, that's one of the most important things. <laughs> that's why I'm taking it off the list to tell us something else. <laughs> Apart from the foods, what I miss most about France is, is my family and my friends. Yeah. yeah, it's a hard one to balance. Yeah, Australia yeah. is such a long way away from the it rest is. of the world. It is, but I've been, you know, very lucky to be in the company that I am today that is really supporting supporting that and I'm able to go back to France every year for at least a month sometimes I do a bit of work from there from home that's also one of the reasons why I'm still in Australia if I wasn't able to go and you know recharge with my family uh, in my country that would be very difficult mm. yeah that opportunity to work remotely is is great some challenges exist that uh, working in different regions and tax tax things like that, but but generally if, if that can be worked around, really does afford us a great op opportunity to work wherever we we need to open the laptop. You, you've talked about aspects of um, exercise and meditation, but um, what are some of the things that motivate you, and what are some things perhaps that that also frustrate you? Yeah, I think for me, what motivates me. If I think in like the work context, I it comes back to to people, the impact and the influence that I have on people and on people's life, and also impact and influence on the environment. So in the work that I do, you know, I try to think of the bigger picture and what this is contributing to making the world a better place. So that's very big and high. It's obviously only at my level. I'm only one of me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's just relating a lot of that back to that. And and also what motivates me is I like seeing like people evolve and, and grow and try and like empowering people. So I'm able to do that through my role now as a as a leader, but also th through my volunteering roles. I don't know if that's something that motivates me and, and probably does, but like adaptability I think is something that is so crucial nowadays and you know adaptability in trying a lot of new things to grow and expand what you're looking at in being able to connect with a lot of different people and to work on different projects and and we we just need to be adaptable adaptable to move to the other side of the world and make it work you know exactly <laughs> that's a challenging one I'm, I'm finding as as I get older yeah, that ability to 
to be flexible and pliable and, and not stuck in your ways. It's good to push yourself out of your comfort zone and exactly. do, do that thing that yeah, you've, you've thought about doing but never done. Lonnie, what frustrates you? I was waiting for mm, that one. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to put it politely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, what frustrates me is people that do a lot of talking and a whole lot of nothing. Um, that frustrates mm-hmm. me a lot. And also being treated differently because I am a woman. That is something that I have absolutely zero tolerance for anymore. Well answered. That was a tricky question you gave her, Simon. <laughs> and answered well indeed, yes. All right, my turn. So, Loreline, look, you're still very early in your career. I'd like to hear from you. What have you discovered so far on your journey that you wished a young Loreline would have liked to have known? And hopefully you can inspire our younger listeners to learn from any of your mistakes or and, and pick up on and some of this wisdom yeah there are quite a few but jumping <laughs> on you talking about mistakes like i think if you're not making mistakes you're doing life wrong mm, yes. <laughs> so for me like as long as you are learning there's no mistake or, or failure you need to take that opportunity mm. to grow find that lesson and use it going forward. Although when it's happening, you don't feel like that, but uh, trying to turn it around. One other one is is to to not settle until you find the right whatever you're looking for and that you deserve. So whether it be in work and project that you're working in, in your work environment and culture, a partner, friends, your tribe, your community, Sometimes it's hard, but you need to be resilient and keep pushing until you find the right one. And you'll know when you find it, but it's very easy to settle and and stop. One that I'm still, you know, using is like get comfortable in getting out of your comfort zone. Mm, Um, That's where you grow. This is where where the good stuff happens. That's a hard one. And whether it's an uncomfortable situation, uncomfortable, difficult, you know, conversation that you need to have or something you need to do. Um, one is to never lose yourself to a person or a company or anything. You're just too important. Then give yourself up, hey? Yeah. And discovering that the work challenges is, is more around people and and not so much the technical part of it. The technical part, we always work it out. People interaction is the challenge. And that's something that you really don't want to leave out. Um, that is being left out, I think, a lot during, you know, when you're growing up and studying. Like, that's not something there's enough emphasis on. But at the end of the day, you're only dealing with people. Oh, true. Yeah. Yes. And maybe the last one would be, I found that breathing is such an underrated tool. Oh, don't get yeah. me started yes. on breathing, Loreline. That's step number one. You get your breathing mm-hmm. sorted out. I like to call it your rhythm. You, you get your rhythm sorted out, you're on your way. That's a whole new topic, Loreline. We'll have to get you back on breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps a question centred on um, the other side of those points is who has been the biggest influence on your career? Mm. 
it's hard to pinpoint to the to the biggest. There's obviously been a lot of really good people uh, surrounding me and having influence in my career, whether it's colleagues, managers, fellow professional mentors. But probably the one I would pick um, would be my mentor and my friend Adam Medlock. We met a few years ago. We're both volunteering for for WaterAid and also for the AWA. He's an exceptional person. He's someone that's really redefining for me what it means to be a leader. He's really challenging like status quo in organisations to try and make work a better place. And it's not easy. And we're talking about feedback, like really providing real feedback, good and positive, but also what I can improve. And it's it's really a, a both for a relationship where it's very not judgmental and so supportive. Um, and yeah, he's been someone very pivotal for me to to meet and and be able to develop a relationship with that, that's helping me tremendously in my career. Mm, that's excellent. You acknowledged him and thank you for also acknowledging the feedback and slotting it into our theme. That was perfect. That wasn't <laughs> even planned, listeners. So thank you, Lorelai. Tom, did you want to touch on or? Oh, I was just going to say similar big shout out to Adam. Thank you. It's great to acknowledge the people that have made a difference in our lives. So yeah, I think important. All right, my turn. Lorelai, if you're willing to share with us, can you let us in to some of what your next goals may be. What's on your list? Are you are you a list type person or you just let things eventuate and you just discover them on the journey? Definitely the latter. I'm not a plan, goal, five years look up person. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. been. I don't think I ever will be. And I think that's okay. Like a lot of times it's often oh, what's on your five-year plan? What where do you see yourself? And and I think it's good to reflect and try and have a think about it. But you know, if I had a plan, I would have never been here talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so opportunities come up and you gotta take them and see where where it leads you. And it might lead you to the other side of the world for a few years. So not really um, set plans, but I'm really excited about what's coming up in South Australia. Like work-wise, there's a lot of like very large projects that are mm-hmm. in the move at the moment in water, in mining, in renewable energy. So really in excited. Yeah, a lot in pipeline. I was going to say that and then I decided <laughs> to drop it. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that was thanks, rather, rather deliberate. <laughs> Fine. And I'm also, yeah, pretty excited to be part of Ricardo. Um, So my company got acquired about 18 months ago and now we're part of Ricardo, which is a global environmental and engineering consultancy that's really at the heart of transport and sustainability and climate change and and water. And that is a global group. So we're about 3,000 people scattered across Europe, the US and, um, you know, now Australia. And that that just opens up a lot of new adventures. It opens up a lot of doors of learning and growing either here or maybe, you know, overseas. Who knows? So pretty excited. And, yeah, maybe on a personal note, and, and that's been on my list for way too long now, but trying to really improve my Spanish. Um, so I keep working <laughs> at that. <laughs> Good on you. 
just to touch on that part of the question about having goals and a couple of episodes ago we asked a similar guest about you know do you have any goals and one of the key takeaways i took from who answered was saying if you get too uh locked into going from a to b in a direct line you might miss that opportunity or that more beautiful path of going the long way around the a to b via a longer way and miss some of the sites so yeah, that really resonated with me to say, you know, you don't have to have the goals. Just be open and be flexible. Be like water, Bruce Lee says. Be like water. So, <laughs> All right, I've got one more question before we get to the fabulous five. Slightly personal question. How do you unwind and what are some of your favourite pastimes? I know you mentioned cycling, but what else do you get up to? Yeah, unwinding for me is really catching up with too many people on the weekend. Um <laughs> I've got an amazing network of friends uh, in Australia and that's one of the reasons why I'm still here. So definitely catching up with them. I don't mind a party here and then. You know, you need to have fun. This is what's important. Like I think sometimes we just get caught up too much in life and don't take the time and we just forget always with responsibilities and what's the next thing on the list. Oh, you just got to slow down and just have fun you know kids can do it all the time just be more like a kid not during my work hours obviously um <laughs> <laughs> and yeah just like try and be in nature really recharging we think it's fine to not see many trees but then when you go in a park and you're like mm. why did i wait so long um mm -hmm. i find myself doing that quite too often so i really need to to be more in nature and just be a bit more grounded it's such a great pastime doesn't matter where or what type of nature but it really does just uh, centers you i feel yeah and one of my favorite pastimes is like petting as many dogs as i can <laughs> <laughs> okay you've navigated the main questions and so we'll we'll kick off the fabulous five what has been the greatest piece of advice received and who told you yeah I think my greatest piece of advice is coming from my mentor, Adam, that I mentioned before. He told me, don't let your desire for perfection get in the way of acknowledging how good you already are. And that really resonated with me a lot. And I've been reflecting a lot on that. Yeah, I think I didn't realise until recently that I've got very high and achievable standard for myself you know, focus more often on what I, I don't know and, mm. and what I can't do yet instead of looking at where I am already and everything I've achieved. And I think it's about finding the right balance of, you know, pushing and wanting to grow and, and taking steps toward that, but also appreciating where I am now and it's good enough. Yes. It's a tough one, isn't it? Sometimes you do need to stop and, and acknowledge yourself, you know, for what you do achieve. But, uh, you know, it, it very much is that balance. And, and I understand what, where you're coming from in terms of wanting to always do better, achieve the next thing. But, yeah, taking stock and saying, you know, well done, Laureline. You did well with that. Yeah, it's tough. You're always your toughest critic. and Absolutely. And sometimes you just have to... Say, yes, I am enough and believe in what you've achieved. And yes, just get that negative demon out of your head sometimes. We hear this a lot, Loreline. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to us all. And we just got to think of how good we really are. 
Okay, my question. Number two, Loreline, who would you like to share a dinner with and why? Probably Wendy Renard. So I don't know if you've Can you say that again? Who was that? Wendy Renard. She is the captain of the uh, was, French soccer gonna, team. I was going to say, is she, yeah, well, she's so tall. She's an, And she's amazing footballer. Yeah. Um, she just played recently? She, she's, yes, she absolutely. Was yeah. Yeah. Yes. So on Saturday, uh, yeah. when it was the quarterfinal, Australia and France. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Australia won that. But my condolences. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Um, it was a spectacular moment or spectacular yeah. game. Really great game, apart from the, the outcome for a French supporter. But <laughs> yes. Tell us about her in particular as to yeah, your, your motivation I, to have a dinner with her. I think she's overcome a lot of, of adversity and she recently, and you might not be aware of this, and I wasn't until that long ago, but I think it was back in February this year where there was some issues with the coach from the um, soccer team and she did quit the team and said that she would not play the international, like the World, the World Cup because there was too many issues and she had to take a step back and go away to look after her well-being and her, her mental health and a few of the players followed her. And, and following that, there was a change in like the French Federation of Soccer where they fired that coach and hired the new coach that everyone is talking about that's just very, you know, photogenic for TV. And, and I think that's quite amazing to be able to get so far when you've had so much challenges less than six months before such a a big event and, event yes mm. yeah the leadership that you have to to bring your team together and playing you know some games and like a, a quarter final in australia with a stadium full of supporters from australia and mm. that focus and fairness like being so fierce and, and a lot of resilience and, you know, really inspiring. And, yeah, it's quite incredible. There's definitely a lot of questions on how to bring people together and, like, her leadership skills. Mm, yeah, I mean, and look, in preparation for a World Cup to have to change the coach, you know, that must have been a, not an easy decision for a football federation to make. So there must have been some fundamental problems uh, that needed to be corrected. So you know well i didn't realize in that context that yeah that was the situation ahead yeah. of their world cup what a yeah what an amazing story she'd have um what is your greatest non-work related achievement i think we've talked enough about me and moving across to the other side of the world and making it 10 years and but i think probably one of my non-related greatest achievement would be i did um cycle for more than 100k which for some people they just do that one day on the weekend but for me I'm coming from very far I used to be very unstable on my bike until very late so being able to do that was quite incredible good on you <laughs> yeah was that a, a fun ride so to speak or was it, it was a the, race or? yeah it was a race that I definitely did not win but <laughs> it was a tour down under in south australia ah, um, yes. so one of the day it's open to everyone and you can do either all of it or some bits so i, don't, I didn't do the whole thing but i did 100k and you know the longest distance that i had ridden over the last 15 years was probably 10ks so yeah it's a long day i've, I've only done it a few times and yes 
four plus hours in the saddle for me that's for sure <laughs> it's uh it's definitely a long go and you, you're definitely ruined by the end of it it's a really good achievement all right my turn number four and it's going to be interesting to hear what a person from france is going to say to this one simon but a favorite place to travel and why Loreline, what have you got yeah i have to pick spain it's sunny i love the language the lifestyle seems good a lot of history really good food and also my sister lives in spain so that definitely makes it a massive plus for me which part she lives in barcelona ah yes yeah very good simon okay question five to round it out uh what is your go-to drink red white or other it would be gin okay the other yeah interesting all of the vineyards in France and not a wine drop to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I do enjoy wine, but, yeah, my go-to would, would definitely be a gin. Can't knock that. Uh, not at all. Loreline, as you know, I'm a winemaker. I'm actually bottling this weekend. Would you like a bottle of red? Would you be tempted with a Dementia Estate Barbera red wine? Yeah, definitely. I missed I'll that at one. Oswater. Asking a good question to win the bottle, so love ah, the opportunity yes. to get one. Ah, <laughs> yes, that's fine. I'll save you one, not a problem. All right, Laureline, that's the end of our conversation today. I hope you had a good time. I certainly loved hearing about your stories and your wisdoms. And, yeah, keep up the great work. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for joining us indeed. Really interesting insights. Thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on The Good Drop. Thank you so much to both of you for the invitation and making it a very fun experience. I really enjoyed it and, yeah, hope that the listeners will will find it also interesting. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on the Good Drop Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.